1: Welcome to another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I am your co-host, Robert, doing a poor imitation of Jonathan, who's off spending time with his beautiful new baby. With me, of course, the Morticia Frump to my Gomez Adams, the normally silent third partner of FMD, Miss Gina Lundgren. How you doing?
0: Hello, hello.
1: Oh, you're doing a poor impression of me. Pretty much. I mean, (laughs) I'm you, but
0: I don't know if I'm quite the... Uh, was it the the banana man?
1: Yeah, you're you're definitely you're definitely. Oh, I mean Jonathan, because Jonathan, when Jonathan's on hyped up on Sudafed, fed, he's he's the banana man.
0: I can I can say that I am not hopped up on anything tonight.
1: <laughs> Just life.
0: Just I- life. And and the, and the excitement of being on a podcast.
1: I know, I know. Normally, uh, if she, her voice sounds familiar. She is the voice. Uh, or do your line, do your line. That's oh, oh, uh, uh,
0: uh, uh, funding for the Forgotten Dice podcast has been provided by our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. So, thank you, patrons.
1: Yeah. Speaking of which, thank you, patrons. Uh, uh, how does Jonathan put it? Oh my God! Like I, I could, re- I could do this verbatim earlier today. and Now that I'm like doing it, I can't remember. He,
0: he says, "You help us keep the lights on."
1: That's right. Okay. Okay. Uh, and of course, a big thank you to all our patrons over on Patreon. You, of course, keep the servers humming and keep the lights on, and and all of that. And we couldn't do this without you. So thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> you know, be funny if I could get Jonathan to do the end that you usually do and make everything come full circle.
0: If you can just get like, like his baby to like make a cooing sound or something. Although she might be too young for that.
1: She's like what a week old, week week and a half right now.
0: Yeah, something
1: like that. Yeah, I, I think they only have two modes at that stage, which is like just screaming and sleeping. So
0: yeah, and I guess eating, Aww, eating's in there too. I remember when our babies were that small. I
1: know. It was great. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, uh, we're we're talking about Amelia, Jonathan's uh, kid,
0: new new baby girl,
1: new baby girl. Congratulations, Jonathan. Congratulations, Jessica. I, I've been watching the pictures that appear daily on the Facebooks. and
0: Frankly, I think there could be more pictures. <clears throat> <laughs>
1: well, maybe, maybe the pictures don't make you angry, so the algorithm doesn't think you need to see them. I don't know. Oh. I, I get a lot randomly from, from Jonathan as well. I usually clue you in on those. It was funny. Like uh, The first picture he sent, it totally looked like Jessica was holding the baby because it was in the hospital. And I'm like, wow, Jessica's arms are really hairy. And then I realized it was Jonathan. <laughs> oh, jeez. oh gosh (laughs) well you know what this next bit is usually my bit but since I am doing Jonathan I guess you have to do the next bit
0: oh yes Uh, when this podcast will be coming to you, it will be happy national let's laugh day (laughs) I I think uh, it's a day where we try to make each other laugh with funny stories general happiness
1: and uh, if, if if you want to get your uh, your chocolate and your peanut butter, uh, it's also National Poultry Day. So like, take a picture with a rubber chicken or make a joke,
0: or I guess slap somebody with a chicken carcass.
1: No, no, no! You're supposed to make another person laugh. I think that would make them punch you.
0: Oh, I guess. Wasn't that some sort of gag that they used to have way back in the whatever? Or was that a rubber chicken? Hence with the rubber chickens. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Not raw chicken, rubber chicken.
1: Rubber chicken. (laughs) Not that rubber chicken's much better. That would hurt.
0: Yeah. Maybe you should just cook up a chicken and then give it to somebody.
1: With like a, uh, why did the chicken cross the road? So you could consume it.
0: Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's very nice. (laughs) Yeah. Should, uh. Bread it and uh, and then air fry it.
1: Oh my god! Okay, I didn't talk about this last time, uh, but uh, for Gina's birthday, one of her coworkers got her the best gift I think I we have ever received for a birthday. It's an air fryer, and oh, oh it's so oh, good! It's it's the coolest thing. I didn't know I needed. Like it doesn't do anything my oven couldn't do. It just does everything my oven does better
0: and quicker, and it makes everything. Crispier,
1: yeah, it's been super cool. I don't know if the oil is good for us, but we've been trying to like live up to our New Year's resolution of having more vegetables by like air frying them <laughs> and then having them as snacks. We've been eating a lot of broccoli. I've
0: been like trying to get you to eat tofu for like literally over a decade. Now you eat it because it's air fried.
1: Do, do, yes, it's so good.
0: I mean, it is good, but yeah, you know.
1: Okay, well, I think that segues nicely into our off-the-shelf segment. This is, of course, a segment where we we talk about the things that we've had off our shelf and into our heart. I think that's what Jonathan says. Again, poor imitation, poor. (laughs) You
0: know, isn't that the funny thing? Like, you hear his voice every other week and you swear you got it all memorized but then when it comes time to actually replicate what he says it it's like it's i don't know
1: yeah i i i don't fill you in on this i hear it more than every other week because we record it and then i i have to edit it which means i listen to it again and then generally i listen to the completed episode which is a third time and then generally i'll listen to it another time or two during the week just to kind of see how we did because wow. uh i overthink this stuff and, wow. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hear it like easily a minimum of three, typically four to five. And I, I, yeah, I'm completely blanking. You know what it is? You know what it is? Like podcast, Robert and like rational, like Robert, Robert are not the same person. Cause like, yeah, that all that stuff is just not clicking over. Cause that's just not the part of my brain. I'm, I'm like directing energy to or something. I don't know. I got nothing.
0: I, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And now you're doing a poor imitation of Jonathan. Oh, God. All right. So, so, uh, so, oh, oh, I'll do the classic. All right, Gina, let's shake this up and start with uh, video games.
0: (laughs) God. (laughs) Video games. I, oh, hey, I helped you solve some puzzles on The Witness. Yes.
1: Oh, it's so good. Because I'm pretty good at that stuff. Yes, you are. And then you have to, like, look away because you get motion sick super easily
0: yeah it's so annoying like i get a little motion sick in cars but i don't get motion sick in roller coasters or boats but for some strange reason whenever i look at a third person not th- no first person games video
1: it's games not even first person like you were getting sick when i was playing dragon quest builders and that's like me little dude
0: yeah i don't know i mean that's kind of a new thing. Cause it didn't used to, but I don't know, lately it's just getting worse, but now it's like, yeah, I just, I get so nauseous and in Minecraft was definitely the worst, you know, from the beginning I couldn't watch Minecraft. But I, I really do like The Witness. Those, those puzzles are fun.
1: Yes, they are. So, uh, you know, like, welcome to 2011. I think that's when that game came out. But it was the free <laughs> game this month on, on the PlayStation. And, oh, 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 we have been playing the bejesus out of it. It is quite good. It is quite good. And you just, it's, it, it's like mist. You just sort of roam around this random island with nothing on it. And uh, you solve puzzles because... I guess I think you're more like trying to figure out what's going on, right? No, there's no story. There's no verbal communication in that. I, I I don't know how. I mean, maybe they're trying to convey a story somehow. I don't know, but yeah. There's no yeah. there's no communication other than solving the puzzles. I guess because <laughs> maybe they didn't want to pay to localize it. But yeah. I will say this uh, He said he really wanted you to get A really good surge When you have like an epiphany On how to uh, solve something And I did tell you this I solved a puzzle today And I like figured it out I figured out what the Because a, a new symbol popped up And I'm like what does this symbol mean And and then I figured it out during play Because uh, yeah yeah. It, I, I I meant to show you this earlier But yeah I was it was so It felt so good To like just figure something out You're just like yes I'm so smart and it uh,
0: yeah. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense because yeah they don't tell you how to solve any
1: of the puzzles no yeah <laughs> you just walk through a door it's like here here do up do up and over yeah well
0: especially when it's like here's a new puzzle is a new symbol figure out what that what it means
1: yeah yeah and they, and they are not shy about that they just throw them in sometimes you're like what did that mean and it's like eh, i'm not gonna tell you <laughs> <laughs> let's move over to uh, movies and tv what have you been watching gina
0: uh, well, I, I have no shame about this. I like TV. There's no fun police, so I can watch whatever I enjoy watching. No. So I have been watching uh, Roswell, New Mexico on the CW.
1: Right. So this is a reboot, not not even a reboot, because um, they didn't reboot the original show from like the aughts or the 90s. I forget when it originally aired. I think it's the aughts. Yeah. They they grabbed the books and are doing the books and trying not to do what the TV show did. Yeah, it's it's like Marvel and DC, like they're actively avoiding each other. <laughs>
0: Hi, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're already kind of straying from the TV show, the the first TV show. Yeah, but I mean, by making the characters like ten years older, making it a little more p- political. Um, the the original characters in the books were there were a lot of uh, like Latino characters, mm-hmm. and uh, they they got changed to. To, to non-ethnic characters
1: in the TV show, the first TV show played, played, uh, played famously by Colin Hanks, uh, the Hanks kid.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they returned them to their original um, ethnicities in the this new reboot. They're making it a lot more kind of mystery. Well, the the previous show had that too. I mean, it had a lot of like teen angsty vibe, and this is more.
1: Oh, there's angst. There's well, there's angst,
0: angst but Typically it's... Typically when
1: Gina watches these things, I sort of like watch from the side and I will do something else. Like I'll, I don't know, edit the podcast or whatever, but I, I watch like, you know, maybe 50 odd percent of, of what's going on. You know, for some shows is about all I need, but uh, yeah, yeah, Roswell, there there's some angst. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the main focus is not the angst. The main focus is uh, kind of the mystery of, you know, who who are they and... Um, you know what is their story because the characters themselves don't even know and there's also been kind of a um, a mystery about um, the death of the main character's uh, older sister from 10 years prior that they just kind of sort of solved and they're kind of delving into more of the reasons um, I don't know it's kind of the reviews I've been reading of it people are saying it's kind of bland, but I don't know I, I'm enjoying it. I'm doing a lot more than the other CW reboot shows, like Charmed or what are the other ones?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, what other ones? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I, I don't know. Like, I've been watching it from the side, and, and it's it's doing the thing in TV that really irritates me, where, like, every single problem in that show could be solved by just having a five-minute conversation. and And it bugs me when people write like that sometimes.
0: They don't do that as much on this show because... The five minute conversation are are like secrets that you kind of have to keep secret. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think they're setting things up pretty well. Uh, you know, they they changed one of the aliens to uh, to be a gay character, which I thought was kind of cool. And mainly because in the the first incarnation, there's a little too much like, well, you she's gonna hook up with him, and she's gonna hook up with him, and she's gonna hook up with him, and there's a love triangle or a quadrangle or however many different. Polygons. A rhombus, a love rhombus. Yeah, and it's like, oh, God, please. Whereas with this, it's like the main love stories between the the main two characters and then the other, you know, characters have side love stories, but there's no triangle or whatever there, uh, which I like. like. If I were to have any kind of criticism, it's that the acting's kind of meh. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not
1: like it's a bad acting uh, gig. The other show you've been watching lately... Uh, well,
0: there's a thing that we do at, at work. It's called a TV book club. So instead of writing, reading books, we watch TV shows. And after much going back and forth, we finally chose The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon Prime.
1: Which I got to say, like from what little I've seen of it, I, I'm kind of regretting I haven't paid more attention to it. Because you've been watching it... While I work out? Yeah, and just places where I don't necessarily get to, to get to see it. I
0: mean, you'd like it because, you know, it's made by the, uh, the Palladino crew of uh, Gilmore Girls fame.
1: Heck yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, they have very witty dialogue, like, like way, be, way beyond normal, like realistic dialogue because it's like people in real life are not this funny. But uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I love the clothes because it's set in the 50s. Um, mm-hmm. and,
1: it's not it's not just the 50s. It's New York in the 50s, too. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. Rich, upper class New, uh, New York 50s. But it's really funny, uh, the characters are really funny, and the, the dialogue is witty, and they talk a mile a minute, just like Gilmore Girls.
1: I like it because, uh, what's her face, uh, Miss Maisel, right? Uh, yeah, she's uh, Miriam, stand-
0: or Midge, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's about a, a woman, like, deciding to basically become a stand-up comedian, and, you know, actually being really, really good at it, like, kind of falling into it, but like, her... her- Bits are not like bits. It's like she tells stories well and, uh, and, and yeah, they're just, they're really funny and engaging, you know? And then it's about like the train wreck. That is her personal life sort of juxtaposed with her sort of rising star. That seems to be what the, the show's about, but yeah, I don't know. It's 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 oddly engaging. I
0: think they, they also have kind of a tinge of a political statement about what uh, women's life was like back in the fifties.
1: Nah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It, especially the whole feminine mystique thing, where you know, for an upper crust woman. Um, who sort of has everything that she's supposed to have, which is, you know, being married to a successful man, two perfect kids, uh, a fancy apartment with the doorman and all the latest gadgets and why is she unhappy? And it's like, well, I'm all, she was unhappy
1: because her husband left her, but still, yeah. You know what I really like about it? Not not that this shouldn't be a story point at all because like in that era, yeah, y- yeah of course it should. <sighs> when we were watching Mad Men, I really felt like Mad Men really beat you over the head with that. Like, like just how awful the fifties were, which I, is probably a thing that needs to get said. Cause people, well, the
0: Mad Men was out in the sixties, I think. Wasn't it said in the late fifties, the first
1: season? I can't even remember. It, it, Whatever. It was in the sixties. Yeah. Similar era, similar era. Yeah. We'll go similar. Yeah. But yeah, it just, beat you over the head with how awful the the era was you know and it's and it's like it's like oh come on i know can we just like move some characters forward for the love of god (laughs) this show they're they're definitely doing that but you know that's um They're not, they're not trying to say, well, they are trying to say something about it, but that's not like what the the focus of the show is. Like they're, they're also focusing on the characters, which is good.
0: Yeah. It's a character driven show. Um, and all the, the crap of the, the fifties is kind of in the background where it's not like you can ignore it, but it's, it's not the main focus of their life.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of, uh, CW teen stuff. (laughs) 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 or getting back to that, Uh, we have continued to be, or we have continued to watch uh, Veronica Mars. Yay. I really
0: like that show.
1: I really do too. It really grew on me. Like the first, I don't know, six or seven episodes were kind of, they're a little sketchy. Uh, But yeah, somewhere halfway through the first season, they kind of like hit their stride. And yeah, that show is just, just really good. You know what? I I
0: will say I mean I, I fell in love with the show almost immediately. The, the The main thing I noticed about like the quality of the first few episodes was that uh, Kristen Bell's acting improved dramatically after she kind of got um comfortable with the role. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and I was telling you like what I really like about this show is that this is what I imagine Nancy drew to be if she was an actual competent detective. <laughs> 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 and it's just kind of sad because, you know, I grew up reading Nancy drew and I love Nancy drew, but you know, like I remember, I was, um, I think when I went to go, uh, when we, went to go visit my parents and some of the old Nancy Drew books were still there and I was flipping through them and realizing just how terrible a detective Nancy is because so much of like her detecting is stuff that like she discovered or happens to her or like the bad guy attacks her for because she's getting too close and it's like too close how and they just attack her and then because she gets attacked she gets clues and it's like ah you know this is like, I thought it was all exciting when I was like 12, but then watching Veronica Mars doing actual detective work, you're like, this is fantastic. Why can she do this?
1: <laughs> I was talking with Jonathan about this, but I, I was saying how how noir it is and how it surprised me, just how dark that show is, like surprisingly dark in lots of places.
0: Yeah, where Neptune, California has a fairly high like crime rate. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, that place is like like Cabot Cove from Murder, She Wrote. Like, just, just so many people getting murdered. And it's supposed to be this really tiny town. And they say it's in Balboa County. So they're implying that it's, like, somewhere between San Diego and L.A. Because, like, they seem to be able to get to those two places relatively easily. So, like, uh, my guess would be, like, uh, San Clemente. is, kind um, But it's also
0: close enough for the movie stars to live.
1: Yeah, that's true. I yeah. don't know. I got
0: nothing. Yeah, it's a fictional town that's close to, close to all the stuff without dealing with the traffic. Um.
1: <laughs> you know, and, I'll tell you what. Uh, the, the Veronica Mars is really giving me an itch to play Bubble Gumshoe. Because like, I, I started rereading that book one day when I was working out, and it, it's astoundingly obvious like when ken height said i'm so glad i got to write this book because i got to write off buying all the veronica mars dvds uh, for my taxes <laughs> uh yeah he was not kidding on that like that that is veronica mars the role-playing game like that is why he wrote it and and i, I don't remember if i told you this or maybe i did at the time but it didn't register because we weren't watching the show uh one of the sample settings is a uh, a colony on mars right oh, it's yeah. called veronica base on Mars.
0: Oh my god. And so
1: the name of uh, they call them drifts because they have like a Scooby Dooville and, you know, like X-Menville type thing. They call them drifts. So that one is called Veronica Base Mars. <laughs> oh
0: my god. <laughs> and That's he said awesome. he pre-
1: and they're like, you know, it's like somebody asked him in one of the Q&As like, you know, it's like, you know, you got the one of Scooby Doo, you got the one of the X-Men, you've got one of, you know, basic, you know, Veronica Mars ca- kind of Hardy Boys Nancy Drew setup like what what are you riffing on for the space colony? And he's like, I just wanted to put veronica mars in the book (laughs) like that was the only reason that's in there it's just yeah it's just that just just awesome
0: (laughs) you know i'd have to wonder i mean the the thing about veronica is she's really good at figuring out tricks to get information and piece them together and i guess that'd be the hard part of running a game of it because the players would have to be Smart enough.
1: yeah. but when we were running a Dracula Dossier, you guys were really good about putting stuff together. That's true. I, I was surprised how quickly you guys put stuff together sometimes.
0: Mm, okay. Well, I mean, well, you know, that'd be an interesting challenge for you if you do ever run, run bubble gum to chew. We'd have to convince the other people to play it, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's really fun in Bubble, bubble Gum Shoe. So you know, like in, in normal Gum Shoe, like you remember Nights Black Agents, right? Mm-hmm. So they have like hit points, and then you have like your psychic stress. You know, yeah. Where if like someone gives you the whammy, uh, you know, the vampire whammy. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what it comes out of. Okay, so in in Bubble Gum Shoe, uh, those are the same stat, and it's called Cool. So if somebody hits you in the face, you take damage to your cool. But if someone, like, like just, like, gets that sick burn on you, you also take damage to your cool. And then in that game, you don't, like, die. Uh, if you lose all your cool, you just, like, you're, you're just out. But someone can, like, sick burn you into getting knocked out, essentially. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is it one of those, like, we go, screw you guys, I'm going home?
1: Yeah, yeah. You basically, you're just like, you know, you, you, well, what they describe it as is you, you are just like a sobbing mess. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, <laughs> ah, I need ice cream or whatever. That's so, a typical
0: yeah. Friday night in high school.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Aw. All right. So let's uh, move on to reading. I, I will save you. I have read nothing.
0: And I've been reading Outlander. Oh, my. Hi. I can't help it. I'm obsessed. I, I, somebody's got to save me. Well, no. well,
1: you, you got to figure out a way to survive the uh, what, what are you? Waitlander, Droughtlander, Droughtlander, are, Droughtlander. Yes, you're 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 between seasons at the moment.
0: And isn't it kind of funny because you know because I've been watching it, you've been watching it, kind of by
1: proxy, and then kind of by proxy. Yes, I haven't ever brought it up on the show because I, I haven't seen enough. So, so this is the thing that really bugs me about that show. I, I, I do enjoy it because it, there, it, there's some. It, it is oddly engaging, and and what's nice about half paying attention to it is I can half pay attention to only the good bits uh, <laughs> that I like. First off, Jamie Fraser, like total dreamboat. Yeah. 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 But um, what really bugs me about that show, especially the most current season, because in okay, so for those of you who don't know, it's about time travel. It's about a lady who was a nurse, like after World War II, and she. Well, she was a
0: World War II nurse.
1: Right, right, right. But it's after World War II. It's like in the 40s or the early 50s. No, it's the 40s in
0: 1945.
1: er... Or no, 46. uh, whatever it, does, yeah. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter but she magically goes back in time to like, like what? 1730 something 1730 something scotland you know so she's existing back in the past and there's shenanigans and there's more time travelers and whatnot and blah so in the current season they have sh- moved to america they're in colonial america like colonial america was hell like hell I, I couldn't live there. I'm watching the show and I'm like, Claire willingly went and did that to herself. Like, uh-uh, I don't care. I don't care how how nice that Jamie is. Like, it's like, okay, Jamie. Well, she didn't know that she'd end up in colonial America. You like build me a house or something, and I'm gonna go back to the future and I'll come back with some medicine or something. You know? Maybe maybe like a toilet. I'll just like hug a toilet next time I go through or something, you know? But <laughs> but oh my god, like it is just Awful, and and they and and I will give the show credit. They do not shy away from it. Like there are th- there are messed up things that happen in that show, and 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 Jamie participates in several of them because he's you know he's a guy of that era. You know he he beats people up and does just messed up things occasionally. You know, and and maybe it's because I I. I I'm not romantic enough or or whatever, but I'm just watching this show. I'm like, why would you stay? Like, I get it. I get it.
0: He's the love of her life.
1: There's a hunk, a hunk of burning love right there, but you know, what's on the other side, easy access to chocolate and toilet paper. I'm just saying, (laughs) I'm just saying,
0: well, Okay. She had a pretty unconventional childhood. So,
1: yeah, they do mention she likes camping. I remember that coming up quite.
0: Well, because a bit. she was raised by her uncle um, after her parents died, and her uncle was an archaeologist and he would go traipsing around to the various digs and so, you know, you're you're not going to find modern facilities, you know, in the pyramids of Giza or wherever the heck, you know. And so she was learned, she was used to roughing it. I don't don't know. know. The the book explains it a little more, where she's, you know, mulling over like whether or not to go back or stay early on in the um, in the in the first season, and I don't know. The book goes into more of that. Like for her, she does. She wouldn't miss the trappings of modern life more than she would miss not being with Jamie. It's sweet. I mean, yeah, you know, if it was me, like, (laughs) you know, I. Uh, you know, sorry, Robert. I- even if you were like you know Jamie Fraser, I think I'd want to stay no, no, here. No, no,
1: no, 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 honey. I'm your Frank, and I am the love of your life. So of course you'd come back. Uh, Aww. Yeah. I- I'll be, I'll be, I'll be TV show Frank because he's much more sympathetic. Well,
0: well, that's true. That's true. Tobias Menzies is is pretty hot.
1: Where do I know that guy from? He's I mean, in Rome. A- that's right. He did he play G- Caesar in Rome? He, uh, no, he played, no, um, Brutus. Brutus. That's yeah. right. That's right. Oh, he was so good in Rome. And he, I don't know. And he's done a whole bunch of British stuff. Yeah, he's in Casino Royale and MI Five and The Deep, whatever that is. Oh, Law and Order UK. God, I want to see that because I want to see uh, uh, Martha from Doctor Who wearing one of the wigs because that'd be hilarious. <laughs> Oh God! Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, because they have to wear those wigs in England. So yeah, they wear the wigs. That's kind of that's it's awesome. Okay, okay, all right. Move it on. moving it on. It's over now. And remember, you can't be terribly specific, so I may have to cut a lot of this out. Do you have any thoughts on Sword of the Serpentine? What? 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 Tell me your female perspective.
0: From my perspective, I was never a huge fan of uh, Sword and Sorcery slash Conan stuff. Partly because most of that stuff is male fantasy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know. I think it took a little while to kind of get into it, to get into what what is sword and sorcery, you know. Once I kind of got into it, once I figured that out, it was a lot more, more interesting, a lot more fun. I just had to kind of treat it like any other fantasy setting, really. And I'm trying to think, was there a lot of magic in that setting?
1: No, no, because none of us played... Uh... Well, we can't talk about that.
0: <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Um, and that's kind of the thing about Sword and Sorcery, which I always find interesting. It's the the whole low fantasy angle. Because in Conan, you know, magic was only done by like evil people, right?
1: Yeah, he had like a couple of friends who, who did like minor magic, but really, really overt, like in your face, cool magic was typically bad guy stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think that's kind of cool. So I mean, that in itself makes it kind of different from your your, your traditional high fantasy stuff. But on the other hand, it's certainly not the first setting to have that kind of low fantasy-esque thing. As long as there's no Thaco. How about I'm happy?
1: (laughs) Thaco is awesome. You shut up. Um, I never understood it. To hit armor class zero. So you take someone's armor class, you subtract the Thaco from it. That's what you need to roll in the d20 to hit them. It's easy. (laughs)
0: Yeah right. Uh huh. Yeah.
1: Or do you, no wait. You take the Thaco and you subtract the armor class. Whatever. It, it, it's easy. <laughs> um, well, okay. So coming off of uh, last episode, which uh, Brandon, thank you, Brandon. You said was very good. I appreciate that. I, I get a little worried when we we go down rabbit holes like that. I, I was going further down the rabbit hole of. uh of talking about Ravnica being a steampunk setting. And uh, at some point in there, I kind of got drafted to run a, a game of it, which I, I, of course, our Tales from the Loop game booted up again too. So <laughs> I'm, I'm apparently running two games right now.
0: You just you should just accept it. That's your fate in life.
1: Yeah, apparently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I came up with a better word because cyberpunk's a little loaded. And uh, I, I, I now I'm calling it neo-noir. Ravnica, because cyberpunk has a lot of uh, noir elements in it, but it's uh, you know the the cyberpunk aesthetic you can just have it anyway and just not mention it because yeah I don't know so that, that's my new term it is now neo noir Ravnica um, but yeah we played uh, we played a game of it and uh, you guys were were criminals basically you got a job to steal stuff and you guys went out and st- and are, are we're planning a heist basically. And yes. uh yeah yeah everybody seemed to have a really good time and considering like I I really changed the the sort of you know the D&D thing of your big damn heroes to your jaded individuals who are now working for money <laughs> I don't know I w- thoughts like how is it on your end
0: I found it fun uh I mean I think it's cool to have something different as I was saying it is different from your generic I'm a big damn hero Coming up with ways to be kind of petty and selfish is always fun. Because, you know, you don't get, you can't do that in real life. I mean, people do, but how about it's not good to do that in real life? But in a game, you can indulge in your kind of dark fantasies. And uh, yeah, I'm having lots of fun creating my character, I'm working on the portrait. I don't know. Maybe I'll share in the Facebook group or not.
1: Should I set a deadline? Because we could use it as the cover image for the episode. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I don't yeah. know.
0: Does it, it doesn't really fit the rest of the episode. It
1: doesn't though. matter. It gives you an arbitrary deadline of next Tuesday. <laughs> we'll, see. <laughs>
0: we'll see. But, you know, the whole neo-noir, I'm like, uh, neo-noir, cyberpunk, it's all the same to me. It's a cool new setting where I get to be kind of sneaky <laughs> and kind of kind of corrupt
1: nice yeah all right well uh one last thing before we get to a very abbreviated board game section because uh yeah we're not jonathan you and i both started some new podcasts Uh, i started one by cat cole called the autonomic podcast which is uh uh for a long time she'd been talking about doing a uh, a let's play podcast but aimed at uh you know more of a, a a teen kid audience, you know, definitely like safe for work type stuff. That's nice. And uh yeah, yeah, I was uh, cuz we were we were driving back from my parents' house uh, last Christmas and we were trying to find a a podcast for anyone to you know, listen to cuz she wanted to hear a game and we we couldn't find anything, which is sad because by that point there were 8 episodes of that podcast out. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we found, we're just Googling and just searching. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's not that there they they were, they weren't podcasts. It's just they were, I don't know, not very good.
1: Uh, positive podcasts. We'll just move on. But yeah. Yes. Uh, this podcast is very good uh cat is the one that did the uh, the campaign podcast on the the one shot network which was star wars for a whole long time i know jonathan was listening to that um this new one is in a, a system that they developed which uses cards and dice and weirdness i think they're rolling just d6s i'm not sure though because uh, I, I i can't uh the system doesn't exist it's it's only they're they're like playtesting it for possible future release right now Oh wow! Yeah, but the setup is—it's like a fantasy world, but it's a little bit—I—I I, I don't want to use the word steampunk, but there are definitely flying airships, so maybe steampunk. And you know, there's elves and humans and whatnot, but there's also like cyclops people and dudes who have like—they look human, but they have turtle shells. And uh, yeah, it's a weird setting. It's—it's it's supposedly very loosely based off of like Indian stuff and and that area of the world. But yeah, it's—it's it's interesting. It's definitely fine for anyone to listen to because there's there's a lot of hijinks. But, you know, there's no, there's no swearing. There's no, none of that. It's just, you know, good old goofy fantasy stuff with a bunch of improv people and the adorable thing, the adorable thing. Oh my gosh. So one of the characters, uh, is like special because he shares his soul with another person or with another sentient being, which in this case is a Capuchin, um, tuxedo monkey. (laughs) Okay. And so they like talk to each other because they, they share a soul so they can talk to each other and it's like his little personal assistant and one of the other ki- players actually just plays the monkey. So whenever the monkey has to t- pipe up like the other player talks in a really high voice and it's totally the monkey. And, and it's so funny cuz like whenever they, cuz they're just they're just really I and I mean, you know, power of editing of course, but like they're just really on point like every so often he'll just start talking to his monkey and the the, the lady who, who plays another character just pipes in as the monkey is like, "Yeah, let's go do it." And <laughs> oh, in, in one of the first, in, in the very first episode, really early on, um, some of the kids, I forget what the kids were doing. I forget how they ended up here, but like, they were basically hiding in like a pantry or something. And then like, so cats are like, yeah, you hear like, a. Uh, you hear like an adult coming. And they're like, "Oh, we're gonna hide," and uh, and then she starts saying, "Like, yeah, well, you know." She starts doing like guard voice, and she's like, "Well, I hope there aren't any kids there." And then like one of the other players randomly pops up. It's like, "Oh, hey, Jane, what's going on?" And she's like, and they just start going, "Like, oh, I'm about to do the kid check in the pantry." It's like, "Oh, the kid check," and and like all four of them start having this conversation as more and more like guards show up to talk about how they're gonna totally go search this pantry any second now, and it goes on for a while. And I was like, th- it was just funny. It was good. <laughs> Nice. So, uh, what have you been listening to?
0: Uh, I don't know. I listen to a lot of podcasts, just mostly stuff that's not gaming related. But I recently started listening to a gaming-related podcast called Asians Represent, also on the One Shot Network. Mm. Uh, actually, you pointed me to it. I have only I've only listened to like the first couple of episodes. But, uh, yeah, they are talking mainly about um, Asians in gaming, uh, both as creators and as consumers. The two hosts, one of them, he works for the Royal Ontario Museum or something like that, where he teaches kind of history through RPGs. They basically play D&D in kind of historical settings, and they learn about history that way. Huh. I, I don't know what the other hostess does, but they also they've also had several uh, creators um, on there as interviews. They talk about like their projects, of course, and how their perspective as both minorities. Um, and usually, um, the first interview they had was a and like an um, Asian Canadian woman, and um, like how her perspective or brought up ideas and concerns that just never occurred to the other developers, um, because, um, they're all, they're all white and male. And so it's interesting. Um, they're talking about uh, just projects in general where they feature characters of color and set in places in Asia, far East Asia. Um, and also how when you as a kind of an Asian American or Asian Canadian, write these uh, settings, your perspective and how you present it will be different from somebody who hasn't grown up in that culture. And it's not like they, they can't, as they're saying, but there's a fine line between appreciation and appropriation, uh, as they like to say. And, and it's kind of interesting when they're talking about how just having that perspective, you know, can kind of tilt it one way or the other. Anyway, just I found the podcast kind of refreshing to hear. You so rarely hear uh the perspective of, you know, Asian American or I guess in this case Asian Canadian viewpoints on gaming. And as a Korean American gamer, it's kind of nice to be represented. So that's a Asians Represent podcast on the One Shot Network. Well, I will do it. Robert, you can put the link in the show notes and there
1: you go. We're going to move on to board games here. We played some Fluffy Bunny Tea Party, but we're going to talk about that later in today's Deep Dive because it is a family favorite, but we've been oh, playing yeah. that with our daughter for, well, that was her first game, actually, where she did the whole thing, which was amazing. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, She uh, she's played it before at the store, or at least she tried, but yeah. but she yeah. or she watched us play. She, she kind of lost it, but she was four. I mean, what do you want? But that same, we had a game night, and we also played... Betrayal at Baldur's Gate which is a reskin I guess of uh Betrayal at the House on the Hill
0: It pretty much plays the same way the only difference is uh everything's themed around Baldur's Gate
1: I was so I was so torn about that game as I was playing it because I liked all the the Forgotten Realms references because they were heavy in that game and I always enjoy a good Forgotten Realms reference but at the same time, like I didn't feel like the horror because it still had a very horror vibe. Yeah. And I don't know if that fit the genre well. And I a lot of it was tied into um, the original Bioware games because Ball was like the big bad of those. And it was very definitely trying to channel some of that. Well,
0: was the game
1: a horror game? I don't know. I never played any of those. So, mm. but like just just all the talk about ball really made me think that they were trying to get at that, and and in Baldur's Gate no less, because you know the Baldur's Gate video games. So,
0: yeah, I, I think that's kind of an interesting thing, though, because the original betrayal is uh, about a haunted house, and there's been so many haunted house movies, yeah, uh, that uh, that comes with all sorts of plots and themes that you know we when you have the. The haunting, you know, it could be so many different scenarios and you've, you've kind of seen them and you can kind of, you know, play them and it's fun. But with uh, Baldur's Gate, I, well, I don't know if it was a horror setting to begin with and then the various hauntings,
1: I guess. Well, And that was the problem, too. Like they called it the haunt, you know, yeah. like I wish I wish they had like leaned more into the fantasy aspect of it and, and renamed everything, you know, because like they had um, it was still omens. It was still um events which events is fine but i'm like i don't think they should have called it omens they should have just leaned into the fantasy part harder and you know not called it haunts not called it omens like just been a little bit more used D isms i guess i don't know what you could have used but you know like because mm. the items were D items i don't know but i mean, overall like my my opinion of that game is it really made me want to play betrayal in the house in the hill again because that game's still fun
0: uh, that's an awesome game i enjoy playing it I, I don't even like horror movies and i enjoy playing that
1: yeah yeah well yeah because horror trips are fun and yeah uh, and it made me want to it made me really actually interested in the uh, the legacy game because if if this board gaming thing keeps happening once a month like they kind of implied they wanted to do because we had some friends over
0: we have uh, friends now
1: uh, <laughs> i don't know positive podcast so I, I i don't know
0: I, I mean, I think I still had fun. So I, I will I, agree;
1: it was still fun. It was still fun. Yeah,
0: because cause, you know, betrayal is a good game, or betrayal house in the hell. So play it, everybody.
1: All right, so I think we're done, right? Uh, yeah. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our off the shelf segment. What's Jonathan usually say here? Uh, stay tuned thing.
0: or take a break, and then we'll be back. Oh yeah, the- yeah.
1: We're we're gonna take a quick break we're going to come back with the wisdom of crowds do you have a tabletop board game miniature game or rpg that you're going to release for retail or do you have an upcoming tabletop kickstarter that you're about to launch we would love to interview you for a future episode of the forgot my dice podcast send us an email to fmdpodcast 2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview welcome back it is now time for the wisdom of crowds our bi-weekly tabletop news segment Ooh-hoo. and oh sorry i don't know i was just do saying ooh,
0: because i feel like i should be supportive or something
1: there you go like massage my back right well i mean it's like like mac is it mac with punch out remember your, your your trainer oh and if you press the a button faster i'll get more health back right <laughs>
0: oh my gosh that brings me back
1: <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> that's the forgot my dice experience '80s retro. All right,
0: makes you feel old, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Forgot my dice, making you feel old since ni- since 2011 something. In- what?
1: Yeah, that's when we started publishing the D and D articles.
0: Oh well, there you go. Was it 11? There you go. Yeah, it was 11. I think it was. 11. I don't know.
1: I don't know. All right. Anyways. <laughs> All right, so first up, uh, I found this little bit of trivia, and I'll have to remember to ask Jonathan about it next week, because uh, I th- thought he had one of these. I could be wrong. But anyway, uh, Modiphius has announced not one, but two uh, RPGs set in the Fallout universe. Our cup runneth over with fallout rpgs they're both called the same thing which is a little confusing uh because they're both called fallout wasteland warfare i i don't get it maybe maybe they're, uh, the actual rpg will be called something different but the first one is an. Ex- it
0: sounds like it's like a tm or something <laughs>
1: like
0: fallout wasteland warfare tm
1: yes and then yeah.
0: playing game and tabletop game
1: yes so the first one is uh, an expansion to the miniature battle game that they have already released which will add a more narrative element it sounds like you'll be able to create characters maybe units maybe whatever but it'll add a lot more role-playing elements to the already existing tabletop game including making original characters and whatnot which uh sounds kind of interesting and cool it's uh, i like I, I i enjoy games that let you do stuff like that those are the best parts and uh and then secondly uh they're just releasing a straight rpg called fallout wasteland warfare which will be used uh or which will use the 2d 20 system that does like their john carter game and their conan game and their star trek game and uh since they're announcing it now i'm gonna like put on my prognostication hat which will not give me any points this week because it was not made in uh, january i'm gonna say we're gonna see this at gen con this year that's my guess gen con but we will see
0: they're not going to announce it this early in the year and then not have it at Gen Con,
1: right? Yeah, we're, ri- we're right in, like, the Gen Con zone. This is the Gen Con, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't make Gen Con, but this is, I, I think that's the intention. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's the way I get it.
0: All um, righty, next bit of news. Pathfinder 2 is coming. Drumroll. August 1st, 2019. So, yeah, Gen Con.
1: No way! I
0: know, I know. It's like I mean, at, at some point, like you know, everyone probably just says, "Okay, when are we going to release this twenty nineteen Gen Con? Gen Con, everything's Gen Con."
1: Unless you are Wizard of the Coast because they are too big for Gen Con.
0: Anyways, uh, Pathfinder Two will consist of a core rule book, a bestiary or bestiary. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. And generally,
1: generally, it's bestiary, woman.
0: I, I, I think it's bestiary, <laughs> just because there is no hey there anyways uh there will be uh faux leather books and uh hell night hill we part one of the first adventure path and there will be a standalone adventure uh the fall of plague stone and a pathfinder lost omens world guide which looks like it's a new version of the campaign setting possibly with updates or it'll be said like in the future
1: yeah, it's weird. I've been uh I've been reading about this on the interwebs and like I keep seeing these references to people saying it's gonna be like in sort of a post apocalyptic future or something, but like their press release doesn't say this and I'm like where where are they seeing this that I am not? It's just, <laughs> but,
0: it's just the internet rumor mill, is it?
1: I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's on a Discord server somewhere or something that I I'm not plugged into. That's cool. Pathfinder 2. I I, I, I am excited about this game. I do want to read it because um, I love the idea of, you know, the branching evolution of D&D 3rd Edition, you know, because we've had 4th and 5th, and now we'll have Pathfinder 2nd. Like, this will... They'll go off in their own little weird tangents. It's it's kind of fascinating. I, I, I'm i intrigued by the process because it, it, it's it's like the DC versus Marvel thing. Like, I don't I, I think Pathfinder won't do what d and doing, even if it's a good idea. You know, they'll have to, like, stake out on their own. And sometimes, you know, like they do cool stuff and sometimes they, they don't because uh, look at the Justice League movie compared to the Marvel movies. Just saying.
0: It'll be interesting. I don't know if it sort of follows the I don't know the the rules of. Evolutionary biology, Pathfinder will find its own niche, and um, you know, kind of take that branch. I guess the question is, what is Fifth Edition leaving behind, uh, like leaving on the table? And uh, I don't know.
1: Well, it, it, from third edition is uh, is complexity, but we'll see. I, I've, I've read a lot of reviews of it, but I, I've been kind of like waiting for the actual release because I, I started reading the first beta rules and they came out with a really heavy errata. And I'm like, I'm not going to try to re- remember this in context. I'll just wait. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's why I just wait for you to read it and then just explain it to me. <laughs> yeah. You well, like, yeah. like my cliff notes.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. I do read RPGs for pleasure. and And then I get all I want out of Outlander out of you. Pretty much, yeah. There you go. You know. Oh, that Jamie Lannister. Anyway, um, the
0: wrong Jamie.
1: Wrong Jamie. It's, truth. It's Jamie, Jamie Fraser.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Fraser. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: Oh jeez.
1: I already had. I, I'm sorry. I had to hand in my nerd card for Star Wars faux pas. I, I don't have anything to hand <sighs> on anymore.
0: Well, I mean, it's sort of forgivable, sort of.
1: <laughs> so this one I, I thought was interesting. uh they uh usaopoly is starting to release original games or well yeah it, it's original uh so they've been reprinting some of the classic games workshop games and one of the ones they're doing is ta- talisman batman supervillains edition so this is a reskin i'm not sure i haven't played the original one enough to know what the difference would be but uh in uh the little blurb is fun uh, in Talisman in talesman batman supervillains edition be t- talisman talisman mm-hmm. talisman 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 Batman super villains edition players assume the mantle of famous villains from the Batman comic books. The villains seek to break out of Arkham Asylum, working their way through two floors and into the central tower to try to build up their strength, health and cunning through a series of encounters. The villain that could subdue the Batman in the tower, It will release all the villains in Arkham and earn the title of king or queen of the criminal underworld. Oh, very cool. So it's going to be borrowing art from the new 52 era. It'll have 13 plastic character figures over 100 cards, dice, blah, blah, blah. Um, It'll be for two to six players ages 13 and up. And there is no MSRP. But yes, a Batmanning of of a really classic game.
0: Yeah, no, it looks awesome.
1: Yeah, I like I like New Fifty Two Batman. I'm wondering if they'll have Joker without his face, because that is by far the creepiest Joker. (laughs) I got nothing. (laughs) You got nothing. Wow, wow, you are really being me. That's good. That's good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, free RPG day. Has been acquired by Gaming Days LLC. I guess Gaming Days LLC, the company, uh, which was formed by uh, retailers Paul Alexander Butler, Steve Ellis, and Travis Severance. Um, they formed. Um, well, there was an event called Free RPG Day, which came about because of the success of Free Comic Book Day, and I remember we had both at the store.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like Free RPG Day. Yeah, I, I went out. I went out last year. That's when I bought Animal upon Animal, which has been a favorite around here.
0: Oh yeah, that, that I mean, that's pretty cool. And he felt that the RPG industry could achieve a uh, similar success to Free Comic Book Day by giving away free rule sets and adventures one day a year. It was first held in 2007 and is now celebrated annually in June. This year's it'll be as business as usual, but 2020 will mark the first year the new company will have been at the reins with their extended vision. I didn't really realize that free RPG day was actually owned by a different company or a company in general. And then has been bought by a different company, but uh, that's cool. Uh, I really like free RPG day. I like seeing the potential that uh free RPG day could bring to, you know, encourage new gamers, especially, uh, you know, young gamers into the store and to do this. And
1: yeah, well, it was always nice too. Cause, um, there's a lot of new people playing 5th edition and it's a good opportunity for them to sort of expand their horizons and and I remember a lot of them took that you know a lot of them came by during that day uh, at least when we had the shops so yeah yeah
0: Were there a lot of people that never played 5th edition before until Free RPG Day?
1: No, no most uh, people came in playing D&D but like but Free RPG Day was the the f- their first kind of toe into the wider RPG stuff. Mhm. I would say, yeah, because, I mean, we would hype it to them on on D&D nights, and then they would usually drop by and pick up something, and I don't know if it actually resulted in any sales, but... I like it because, you know, keeping people inside the hobby by, you know, exposing them to other things because I eventually you, you just get tired of D&D because there's so much, only so much fantasy you can do, you know?
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Not that D&D's bad. I just always get a little burned out on it after about, you know, five or six years or something.
0: <laughs> it's not steak, but steak and potatoes every night. Sometimes you want a salad.
1: Sometimes you want, I don't know. I don't know. What was that thing that we made that was so good? Oh, that garlic noodle. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: pasta with Maggie sauce. Mm.
1: hmm. hmm. All right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, friend of the show and uh, professor of zombology, Brendan, uh, sent us this coming to Kickstarter in 2019 is alter quest, a cooperative game of fantasy adventure for one to floor players designed by Adam and Brady Sadler alter quest draws upon the success of their modular deck system introduced in street masters and Brook city and is based on their all original setting inspired by high fantasy and Gothic horror featuring quests, campaign play, modular gameplay, uh, it puts you into the roles of powerful heroes seeking to drive the forces of darkness away from the altars that corrupt the world so yes it sounds like a adventure game like uh, uh, uh the various d d games and descent and all of that which is super cool and when you get a little fantasy in your horror it's always it's always fun stuff so i'm, I'm interested in seeing it i like innistrad <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering i'm wondering i'm wondering which sort of end they're gonna channel because there's a lot of horror rpg game well there's a lot of horror rpgs right now so there's they're they kind of run the gamut it's cool so it's gonna be a cooperative
0: game as in uh the group against the board
1: yeah it looks like and they don't mention that there's a dm player so i i i always like that gameplay because i yeah yeah definitely. i don't like it i don't like it when somebody's playing versus you true especially
0: <laughs> we have that you know are we fighting each other or cooperating with each other against the other people thing going and you know we have to have our telepathic conversations and
1: yes you know, yes and th- 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 those are dodgy at best <laughs> yeah and now it's time for A Year and a Life, our segment where we look at what we deep-dived a year ago and have 365 seconds to talk about it again. And if we want to go on longer, we need to take it off the shelf.
0: Let's begin. FMD episode 37, seven-story People Tower. We deep-dove Nothing. Well, technically you, not
1: we, but uh, <laughs> talked about you're how to... Silent, you're the silent third partner. Well, true, true, true. You're, like, you know, part what? of my st- my writing staff. I'm, like, down a writer today because you had to write your own material. Well,
0: true. You know, uh, things we've got we to gotta do to support, uh, you know, paternity leave. There we that's go. That's right. You know, we support that's you, Jonathan. Have fun with your baby. That's right. Uh, we talked... Or you guys talked about... Or we talked about how to mature your board game collections. So, Yay.
1: Yay. <laughs> Uh, So I was going back and looking through the notes of that episode. And uh, we also had a segment called Fans Fill Up a Segment. That was our first one. And I'm like, I need to listen to this episode again. I just haven't had time. I'm so behind on my podcasting right now. I'm so behind.
0: Vaguely remembering that segment.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, I want to listen to it again. Because we had the questions in there that we answered, which was funny. Uh, But I'm curious what we actually did. I remember why we did it, because Jonathan had to, like, go away, but he had, like, a whole bunch of free time for some reason. So, like, we recorded that episode, like, stupidly early. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So so we couldn't, like, do a news segment or anything, because it would have been, like, four weeks (laughs) until it aired. (laughs) Yeah, it it was nutty. Oh,
0: yeah, I remember.
1: And then uh, I was raving about the story of Tetris by the gaming historian, which, uh,
0: which... you made me watch. And, I uh, did.
1: What did you think? I thought it was
0: awesome. Uh, I mean, I didn't realize that there was so much intrigue in a game like it was like Tetris.
1: It was like a spy thriller. It was amazing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's definitely
0: telling you like like the business of board game or not board game, the business of video games. It's uh, far more complicated than you think. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it can go wrong so easily.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and people just kind of doing shady stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 I speaking of things we need to get off the shelf again. I I, sh- I should watch that again. That one was in particular very good.
0: Yeah, that was pretty good.
1: And then uh also in the notes, we made note that Jonathan was goofy enough.
0: Was he hopped up on like something?
1: Uh, I don't know. I think I think the note said lack of sleep, but it was he was goofy enough that we put it like right in the billing, so he <laughs> had to be like pretty out there. So maybe it was like a combo because it said he was tired, but I bet he was on Sudafed because it's you know March.
0: Yeah. Although I, mean, I checked
1: the weather today. Do you know what the weather was in Austin today? What? Eighty degrees. Eighty two. Oh my gosh. I know, right? Dang. Yeah, it was like forty here. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. So all the flowers are. Well, it's too early for them to bloom, but
1: it's... And and cedar's off. over, right? Cedar's usually in February.
0: Yeah. I and don't know. There is nothing but allergens over there. It's like the air is just full of crap. <laughs>
1: so, you know,
0: if it's not one thing, it'll be something else.
1: There you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're done. Are we done? Yeah. Okay. All right. So stay with us. We'll be right back when we deep dive a family favorite of ours. Fluffy Bunny Tea Party. Yay. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following. You can join us on Patreon where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at forgot my dice. You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com/slash group slash FMD Podcast. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain, set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan. Oh, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. And welcome back from the break.
0: That was a good break.
1: That was a good break.
0: Yeah, yeah, we got so much done.
1: Yeah, we did so much done. (laughs) You sat in the closet, and I, uh, I didn't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This closet is actually kind of nice. Actually, I'm surprised. I didn't realize how kind of big it is. Like, if we wanted to, we could probably put like a bed in here. (laughs)
1: See, man, this is like a four-bedroom house. Five, five five-bedroom. All right, all right. Yeah. So today we are going to deep dive a family favorite of ours, Fluffy Bunny Tea Party.
0: Yay. In Fluffy Bunny Tea Party, you play the part of a group of fluffy bunnies who are having a tea party. Very polite bunnies who say please and thank you as they serve each other desserts and refill each other's teacups. When the desserts run out or when the teacups are empty, the party is over and the bunny that was the most polite, and the one with the least amount of desserts in front of them, is the fluffiest bunny and therefore the winner. Deadpan hilarious and fast-paced, but with a decent amount of strategy and good-natured backstabbing, fluffy bunny tea party is a fine game for both children who love bunnies and grouchy adults who soon will <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay so uh we played this uh just the other day uh, it was the first time we actually played it with our daughter who's seven and she Aww. killed it completely killed it she won because i don't think anybody wanted to pick on the seven-year-old but like when we pl we play like hardcore fluffy bunny tea party because um <laughs> so the very first step of the game is you pick a bunny character of which i believe the game comes with eight and uh it's split pretty evenly and there's girls there's girl bunnies and boy bunnies and i always love love playing colonel coco muffington do you do you have a favorite <laughs>
0: I haven't, but uh, I, I deliberately picked the lady, um, I forgot what the, the her name was, but the the, the, the lady title because I was hoping that somebody would call me like milady or something.
1: Oh, yes, and you need to get them on the, the polite technicality. Yes, that's why I like going with the colonel because <laughs> if anybody calls me Mr. Muffington, oh, oh address <laughs> me by my proper rank. <laughs> I have played the Colonel so many times in this game that I've got like a Colonel voice that I do where I go, ah, yes, ma, ma. And my, my, my daughter kept looking at me and she's like, daddy, why are you doing this? Like what? Doing what daughter? It's fine. Fine tea party. We're having. Ah, jolly good. And, um, but yeah, she was, she was very She's <laughs> the best part was she was like, she was in the part, right? She was, uh, she was sitting up straight and she was talking very proper and she was being very soft and she was being very very polite. It was so much fun.
0: Uh, yeah. You know that's kind of funny. She she I think embodied the perfect like Victorian polite child, which is so not her because you know she's normally loud and pretty obnoxious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Our daughter? No. That's
0: what I love about her though. She's <laughs> she's loud and fun and boisterous. <laughs> But yeah, you're being polite and uh, you have a tray of desserts in front of you and the desserts are worth a certain amount of points. Um, usually the more decadent, the more, more points it has. Um, there's some tricks to it. Um,
1: yeah, there's, uh, there's four tarts in the game and tarts are worth four points each. But if you manage to collect the entire set, they're all worth zero and there's like cookies and cookies are uh, they always remind me of the uh, the guards from a guillotine where uh, one cookie on your plate is worth one point but two cookies are both worth two points and so on. So if you get all four of them they you have 16 points of dessert on your plate which sucks. Yeah.
0: And the and the carrots and the celery are negative points.
1: All right. So we're we're we're, we're skipping ahead. So so fluffy bunny tea party there are I guess technically three decks because they have the the character deck. So the first thing you do is you pick a character. The character doesn't matter. They have a little they have a little blurb on the back of the character card, and it's fun to read. And uh, I, I quite enjoy that part of it. And then on the front is a little portrait of a bunny person in in Victorian wear. Uh, that cute. card goes on top of your tea card your tea card is basically it's double sided uh, it's uh, the top has uh, you know they have numbers on it so there's four on the top and like three on the bottom and then on the reverse side it goes two and then one and that's just how many sips of tea you have so if you if you you know we'll, we'll get to taking a sip of tea but if you take a sip of tea you know and, and you have four then you flip the card over and you go to three and then the, the three numbers what's popping out on top of your character portrait it's it's pretty easy it's just a, it's just a, a, a timing mechanic essentially
0: yeah, it's just there to keep track of how many sips of tea you've got left.
1: Right, right, right. Uh, they have a dessert deck, and the dessert deck is how we just described it. It's uh, it, The name of the game is to have as few desserts as possible, point-wise and numerically. I, I won a game once where I was tied, but... Uh, I had six points and my opponent had six points, but I had two three-point desserts on my plate, and they had like five things. And so the tiebreaker goes to who has the fewest amount of things and the least amount of points. Um, but normally it's just the least amount of points. And Ailyn won, I believe, with two. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I, she she lucked out.
1: Yeah, she. Well, I, again, I don't think anybody wanted to pick on the little girl.
0: Yeah, she. I don't know if she realized she was that like she had that uh, t- advantage or not, but she she had that. Yes, she did. If she, used, if she did it on purpose, that'd be just amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, she wrecked it. Um, and then there's a, a final deck, which is uh, cards you play from your hand. You start with three of these, and uh, you you can draw more as the game progresses. It's part of the turn. Uh, you, you can either, uh, well, we'll get to the turn order in a minute. These do things like serve a dessert or get trade a dessert. So some desserts are worth negative points, like the celery and the carrot. Uh, so you can trade your four-point target for a carrot or whatever. Um, some of them are just like frolic to the left. And that means everybody gets up out of their seats and physically moves to the, the seat to the <laughs> left of them. Uh, you take your tea and your character with you, but you leave all your desserts. And so, you know, if somebody next to you is, is winning, you can basically take their spot. Um, and they yeah. have frolic to the right. And then they have, uh, you can like switch, like seats. switch seats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's a party game. You know, I mean, it's not, it's not very deep. The turn order is... You
0: can either take a sip of tea or draw a card.
1: And then uh, the second thing is you can play a card or pass. Yeah, so pretty easy. It's just that simple.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, most of the time you're not going to pass because you're going to want to play a card. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The most frequent card, I believe, is serve a dessert um, yeah. from the tray to somebody else.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, you have to be very polite when you offer a dessert and the person receiving it has to be very polite and, and
1: accept. Well, it. you just have to be very polite at all times. Cause here's the trick. Oh, yeah. If you are ever impolite, somebody can call you out on it. And if the rest of the table agrees, then you have to basically tap your character card. And that means when it comes around to your turn again, all you can do is untap yourself. Sometimes I use this to my advantage. Cause if I get tapped, I just start being very vulgar because I can, <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> When does the game end, Gina?
0: The game ends when uh, somebody has uh, drank all four sips of tea or if the dessert tray or the dessert pile runs
1: out. Right. So if you need to go to it's, it's like decking yourself in magic. If you need to reach for a dessert to put on the tray and you can't anymore, the game is done. The party's over. There are no more desserts. And that's it. At that point, you just count everything up and, and you move on Like, and, and you declare a winner, the, the fluffiest of fluffy bunnies. And that's it. It's, it's really dirt simple.
0: So, Robert, based on our questions that we normally ask about these games, uh, how was the rule book?
1: Um, I don't remember because I learned how to play this game so long ago. I don't think I've ever consulted it in like years. I, thi- I think we had to pull it out because I, I, I had to look up ha- what your hand started at at the beginning of the game.
0: Yeah, the rule book is essentially just like a sheet of paper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, folded into fours. (laughs) Yeah, and it describes the cards that are in there, and it does describe— some of the tricky cards that you might look that that's why I kept on consulting it. Cause um, I was wondering like what kind of cards are in the, the deck with the, the cards you can play. And they had things like, Oh, and then what kind of desserts were there? Um, because they were saying like, okay, if you uh, get the carrot cake, the carrot cake is worth like six points. Uh, yeah. I believe that's that. Uh, but then if you, that means you can treat
1: each. Um, well, you can choose from then on.
0: Well, yeah, or no, that was like one of the one of the cakes and the other one was uh, if you have that one, then all these other desserts that are normally worth one point can be counted as negative one points. And uh, yeah, a lot of little things like that. So it kind of made me think about a strategy for like what kind of dessert is coming, what kind of cards are in the deck that you can play. And, and then the, that also told us that uh, when we move to the left or switch seats or something, we still take our teacup with us. Yeah, yeah. But then leave our dessert and cards behind.
1: It's not that there's no strategy to this game. I mean, it is a party game. It's simplistic. I, I, I don't think we either of us would deny that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, there is, a, there is a bit of strategy. Like, getting specific types of desserts are good. Giving specific t- types of desserts to specific people is is bad for them and, yeah. and, and like moving around and whatnot. I mean, there there's, there's places to be played by this, but it's all randomized by, you know, a shuffled deck and all that. So you can't count on anything. Yeah. And again, like the whole being polite thing, you know, I, I, and that being a rule, I think that's, uh, I, I think that's the name of the game.
0: Yeah. The ruthless politeness is the main fun gimmick of this game.
1: That being said, I can't think of anything that's off in the execution of it because like, I mean yeah, it's it's a simplistic game, but it's not really trying to be anything but like a simplistic party card game, you know, like a, a good icebreaker. Yeah. I I think if there was anything in that last game we played, it it took a surprisingly long time to play with 6 people. Yeah. Now given we were chatting and being weird and and you know, doing the adults talking stuff, but it Well,
0: and then Eowyn also did take forever
1: to make her decisions. Yeah, yeah, she picked up some of her mom's analysis paralysis. <laughs> barring that i can't think of anything that was wrong with it
0: yeah i mean it is kind of what it is um well actually i don't know maybe there could be more variety in the uh the the cards you can play but then on the other hand the the majority of what you want to do is get desserts off of the dessert tray onto other in, in front of other people and that, you know that's that's the majority of the cards.
1: You know, I I think the other thing that they they don't spell out loud, uh, but you really need to say is this game heavily relies on your investment because if you just sit there and play the game, it's like I'm going to give you this dessert, you're welcome, or whatever. You know, you don't get into it. <laughs> you're not going to have a good time. It's a party game. It's all, it's a lot more about the people who are there. And like I said, like we, we go all in, like we made little like, uh, like name th- cards so we could address each other by our character name. And we would talk in voices and you know, we, we were really getting into it.
0: And you were getting people in the whole elbows off the table thing. Yeah. yeah. Which then Aowen glommed onto and it's like, Oh, there was no way anybody was going to put an elbow on the table or she was going to get you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah i i guess that is a fault of the game it is a party game if you're if if you're not gonna if you're not in this game to be a little silly you're not gonna have fun with this game like it really depends on your crowd so i mean the pro- the problem with us talking about it is the version of we- our game was from the original kickstarter that mark the creator did like in 2011 so uh right now he's out of those they're gone um you have to get them on drive through cards but I mean, it's available on drive-through cards. I I've only ever bought drive-through RPG stuff, so I don't know how these things compare. I I, I couldn't tell you. I, yeah,
0: so we really couldn't ask like to figure out the component quality of it, right? Because we don't know what they're like.
1: Yeah, we just don't know what drive drive-through cards is like. So, unfortunately, dear listeners, we can't talk about that. It, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> If you need a game especially a game that you can play with kids and adults this is a really good one because kids really get into this vicious politeness stuff which is hilarious
0: yeah especially kids that have just sort of learned about manners and how to how to uh, act in polite company that kind of stuff yeah this is a really good thing because then they could um put it all to use
1: yeah yeah Yeah, actually, that might be a good angle to make our kid a little bit more polite sometimes. Like, pretend you're playing Fluffy Bunny Tea Party Child. You
0: know, okay, she's plenty polite around other people, just not around us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would say play this game with as many people as possible. I think the game gives you enough stuff for six, if I'm not mistaken. It would be hard to add more because the limiter is characters and tea. It's a party game. Play it with as big a crowd as possible i think would be the best bet oh yeah definitely i played
0: it with especially th- when you like start frolicking to the left and stuff and <laughs> making everybody frolic <laughs>
1: that's
0: that's hilarious that is hilarious what do you think is the the least number of people uh, need uh, i, to I play have played game? it
1: with three and it was not it was fun but it wasn't it wasn't six player fun
0: yeah it definitely is one of those where the more people you have the the more fun it is right yeah Do you think it could be played with something like ridiculously crazy, like 20 players?
1: I don't know. I think it would break down because a turn would take forever. I mean, you'd only get like two cracks at giving out desserts at that point, you know? Yeah, true, true. We caught wind of it. Uh, Mark did a Kickstarter and he printed a bunch of copies and he had a bunch left over, which were in his house. And he lived in Austin. So we would just, you know, email him every so often when we ran out and buy 20 more copies of it and so on and so forth. And we sold a bunch when we had it.
0: How ours. did you come across this game, though? Uh,
1: somebody, some customer had kickstarted it and brought it in. I don't remember who started it, but I just remember they came in and played it, and I, I thought the game was great. And then they mentioned, it's like, yeah, the dude's in Austin. Well, like, why don't you see if you can carry it? And so I did.
0: And I remember, yeah, he would just come come by the store and just drop it off.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we sold the game for 22 bucks. so 25 at drive through cars this isn't bad. Um, especially since, you know, they're printing you up a fresh copy right there.
0: Yeah, I remember talking with him about how he came to um, come up with the game. And he said, um, I think it was like his uh, was a friend his or his mom. His, his mom. mom yeah, I was saying, you know, why is everybody always so rude and mean when they're playing games? And so he thought it would be fun to make a game of being ruthlessly polite. <laughs> It's just it kind of reminds you of like
1: Downton Abbey. Yeah, I, I, dude, I used to sell that game so many times at the store. Like people would, no offense out there, ladies, but when a mom would walk in um, and they were looking for a good game for their family, I would take them right over to that. And my pitch would be, this is Downton Abbey, the game. It it never failed. <laughs> it, 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 that always landed. And I was like, and $22. Bam. <laughs>
0: it's funny because, yeah, I was kind of channeling um, the Dowager Countess where she... She can give those those jabs at you, but in such a polite way. You're like, did I just get
1: insulted? Th- and that's I the point. Insulted. That's the point. You can do that. You just have to be polite, and that's the yeah. fun part. You can you can get creative. You just have to be polite.
0: And it's kind of funny because then like everyone's on their best manners, always saying please, thank you, you know, uh, something like you know, oh, looks like you drank so much of your tea. Let me just refill your cup. And you go, oh, oh.
1: yeah, that was one of the cards we didn't mention. You can refill other people's tea. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah and it was really fun um and uh I, I mean, it was a hit at our store because um especially getting teenagers to play oh uh, yeah it
1: was hilarious it was hilarious uh my one of my best memories was we we had a kid who was a little socially awkward and his parents basically made him come to our store every sunday to <laughs> hang out <laughs> and he eventually started playing D and stuff with us which was really cool but um but we were playing this game with him once and he was he was actually like getting really into it, which was fun. And then like randomly he just stood up, he's like, Yeah, suck it! I that bad he, he played a card off somebody and then he just immediately like he deflated and then he just turned his own card sideways and sat back down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember you were telling me that he he was getting picked on, like for little things here and there for his not being you know for his rudeness, and he was getting really mad because he kept on losing his turn, <laughs> and then he finally got somebody, and and, and it,
1: <laughs> yeah, that was good. In, in classic FMD fashion, uh, Gina, is this game fun? Of, of course, it's fun.
0: It's hilarious. I think it's as fun as. Um, as the people you, you play with and like how, how much you have fun with them. Like if you like the people you're playing with, then you're going to have fun.
1: But yeah, you do have to get into it and the the sillier you can be. I think that's, that's key.
0: Oh yeah, definitely.
1: Well, that is fluffy bunny tea party by gizmet games available on drive through cards. Uh, There'll be a link in the show notes and uh, Gina, that of course brings us to the end of yet another episode of the forgot my dice podcast. Go ahead and please join us on all of our digital domains. We'd love to hear from you, uh, especially over on the Facebook group a lot of a lot of talk going on in the facebook group a lot of uh, a lot of conversations, not so many this week. but then again, Ray's been busy with his new child, and so has Jonathan.
0: Yeah, maybe we did have post some baby photos or something. I don't know
1: Ray posted a baby photo on the on the group oh, yeah, per our request a little teen tiny baby. I don't know if Jonathan has. I don't know if anyone's requested that, but yeah. Yeah, Amelia's darling. No. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I guess that brings us to the one thing that I didn't have to think of this week. Gina, mm-hmm. any final thoughts? So the Outlander books, the
0: show is a lot better than the books just because in um, in the books, the characters are a little more... I don't know, dumb? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. They're, they're just a little more dumb. And the and I don't know if that's a good thing or not, because then the show makes those dumb mistakes kind of not there. Maybe that makes the characters a little too smart. Anyways, if anybody wants to, like, you know, talk about Outlander, I am more than willing to, like, talk your ear off about it. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Good final thoughts. How'd that feel? Oh, yeah. Was that, that was your first one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was trying to think about, you know, what to say, and honestly, I should just talk about what I'm obsessed with, and let's face it, I'm obsessed with Outlander. I can't help it. There you go. There you go.
1: By the way, by the way, people, the show is uh, definitely not one to watch with the kids. Oh, God, no. <laughs> it is uh, It is Game of Thrones graphic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The book actually has a lot more of the, uh, the steamy scenes. Ooh.
1: Well, yeah. it, I, I I always imagined it was a bodice ripper, like when I was working at a bookstore, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and somebody somebody was trying to tell me it's totally not a bodice ripper.
0: Not like you know constantly, but when bodices are there, they do get ripped. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Okay.
0: I'll be my bunk.
1: All right. <laughs> I think that's it. I think we're done. You so... have to cut that out. No, I'm not cutting that out. That is staying uh, in. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, thank you, Gina, for, for being my co-pilot today. Oh, it was a, blast you've wanted you wanted to rejoin us for quite a while and uh i i, I always kind of figured like if jonathan ever got sick and couldn't do an episode we'd just do this but then he's we we always get sick at the same time or something so it just has never happened
0: well whenever you guys say it's sick you just load up on a bunch of beds and then do a loopy show <laughs> So you know yeah i don't really get a chance and you know so this is cool i'm on the radio i'm like internet famous not even not even very internet famous i'm famous to a very small group of people on facebook
1: but a very loyal and excellent group of people Aww. and in that vein gina party on
0: party on the music you heard in this podcast was intro by elithiel additional music was provided by brian winkelman funding for the forgot my dice podcast was provided by our supporters on patreon thank you